Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is a a special night where we do remember that night and the angels pronounced your birth and, and you, Jesus, came into our world uh, as a baby. And now you come into our life and it's very easy for you to come into people's lives. And so as we, um, uh, as, as we party this Christmas season and as we give gifts and as we receive and as we plan for New Year's and we go into the New Year, I just pray that people would ask you, ask you into their hearts and their lives. I pray they would tonight. Thank you for this silent night, and it is in your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, just bear with me. I'm going to give a brief message, and then after that, we're going to take communion or Uh, Those who wish to take communion, we offer the invitation to take communion. And after we take communion, uh, I'm going to light a candle off the Christ candle, uh, and the light will spread as we sing Silent Night. I just want to let you know uh, what we'll do. Uh, But then also, I want to thank those again who bought the poinsettias, both in memory and in honor. Uh, It beautifies our church, uh, and I know it is uh, is special for many of you. And I'd also like to say, after the service... Those who bought them, y'all are welcome to pick them up and take them home. Uh, So please uh, do that uh, if you so wish. Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can take it and turn to the very back, or towards the back, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. I'm only going to read a few verses at the beginning of this letter. 1 John uh, 1. Uh, It will also be up on the screen uh, for those of y'all who may not have a Bible. Uh, Christmas Eve, uh, we've talked about uh, the angels and a verse that has really been on my mind and my heart uh, over the last week is Luke 2.10. And I want to put that up on screen as well, Uh, Luke 2.10. And the angels said to them, the shepherds, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That one verse has stuck in me, and the reason it is is because I've thought about good news of great joy. And I'd like us to ask ourselves, what is good news of great joy? So, for example, for us at Christmas, good news of great joy could be we're not going to travel this Christmas, okay? Uh, Good news of great joy could be they're not coming this Christmas, okay? (laughs) can be. Uh, Good news of great joy can be, and thankfully this doesn't represent this, but it can be like we're not going to church this Christmas Eve. We've got more time. Good news of great joy can be that gift, uh, that hoped for gift. That can be good news of great joy for a little while. Let me be open about my life. What would I define as good news of great joy? Well, if the Lord said to me, All right, John Hugh, you are going to have a very flourishing career uh, as pastor of churches, uh, as preacher, as teacher, uh, as writer, as missionary. And that doesn't mean I'm going into the mission field. It means I believe we're all called to the mission field. But your life and your career will flourish. 
That would be good news of great joy. Uh, Better news of great joy is if the Lord said, John Hugh, your three boys are going to live exceptional lives and live a long life and and give and contribute to our world. That would be good news of great joy. Good news of great joy would be the Lord saying, you and your wife are going to have a full life and grow old together and have a very blessed marriage. All of that is good news of great joy to me. And that's not what the angels were talking about. And I'm not talking about me personally. But career, kids, family, marriage, they weren't talking about that. So what is, what was, good news of great joy? What is it really? It is Jesus. It is Jesus. We love response here. Wish more would. Let's read 1 John 1. We'll start with verse 1, go through verse 4. John writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, often at Christmas, particularly Christmas Eve, we will look at the Christmas stories of Jesus' birth. Uh, And we have been doing that all month, for those of y'all who've been at church. But here, John, and the Lord put this passage on my heart, he's not describing Jesus' birth of angels or shepherds or wise men. He's telling us what Jesus' birth means. He's telling us what is good news of great joy. And very briefly, and it is brief, I believe he tells us four things, although I think you could... Meditate and ponder on this passage for the course of your life. And I believe it tells you many things. But there are four things that I want to highlight for us in our time. The first is, John tells us, good news of great joy is that we are saved by grace alone. Where does it say that? I didn't read that. He says it. He says, verse 1 and 2. He calls Jesus the word of life. And then, verse 2, he says, the eternal life, which is Jesus. He literally calls Jesus eternal life, the eternal life. Hear me out on this. Every other religion, every other religion across the world, human history, it points to eternal life. It says this is the way for eternal life. Christianity is different in that it says Jesus is eternal life. That eternal life is a person. And when we're saved by grace, all we must do, all we must do, all you must do, unite with Him by faith, know Him in love, and you have it. Stop. Period. Done. That's why it's saved by grace. It's a gift. 
Unite with him by faith, believe. Know him in love, love him. And you have it. You have eternal life. That can happen tonight. That can happen five minutes before your death. You're like, I don't know if that's fair. It's grace, bro. Grace ain't fair. Grace is a gift. Now, this is good news. It's actually, it's very good news. Because everyone, everyone of our lives is really a self-salvation effort. Get that, bud. Thanks, bud. Front and center. God love him. Okay? Okay, it's all right. Every one of our lives is a self-saving effort. What are you talking about? All that we do, all we're trying to achieve, all, I mean, the, I'll be honest, even this for me. Hey, man, put together good, you know, bless them, trying to save myself. And a self-saving effort, that is every one of our lives, only leads to one of two things. It only leads to fear, because we say, well, I'm afraid I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. I missed out. Or it can lead to pride, which I actually think is worse, where you say, I am good enough. I'm pretty good. And you look down on others. The good news of great joy is we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in pride. And we don't have to spend our lives trying to save ourselves. All it is is believing in Jesus. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Period. Bottom line. Something else this passage tells us, and I love this one. But it tells us the story is real. Jesus is real. He really lived. He was born of a virgin. He came in a time and place in history. The story is real. And some of you are like, "Ah, I got that. Well, many don't. And I'd love for you to really ask yourself, virgin birth, angels we have heard on high, all that. It's real. And it is totally and completely supernatural. Like, where does it say that in here? Well, John is, we got some great lawyers here, but John is making this case. 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 He says, which we have seen, verse 1, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. And he keeps saying this over and over. Verse 3, which we have seen and heard, we proclaim. He's saying Jesus is real. And see, if we're saved by grace alone, the story has to be real. And if it's not real, if, if none of this is real, then we are we're really left on our own to make our way in life, to do all we can to save ourselves. But if it's real, then we're saved by Him. He is eternal life. And see, the thing is, we want this. All of us, I believe, have this, we have this desire. I mean, you see it in kids, and we don't always admit it as grown-ups, but we desire the supernatural. What do you mean by that? We love stories of good versus evil and I mean, look at bestseller books list. Look at movies. Look at, look at Star Wars, okay? The real Star Wars, not the, the filler movies like Rogue One, which was good, okay? Which was good. But I mean, we love, I mean, we want, I mean, who's captivated by it? We love it. We want something that is beyond like the here and now, you know, floor and table and even skin and bones. 
We want angels breaking through the sky. Even if you deny it. We fight against death. We're like, death is not right, and it's not right. It's unjust. There's something in us that wants to know for sure that there is life after death. There is resurrection. His gospel tells it. It's real. The stories are real. Uh, Great story. Two guys who are famous. Many of you know them. Maybe not all of them. But I like C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Good friends. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia. And Tolkien helped convert C.S. Lewis, although it was a work of the Holy Spirit. But it happened in a simple conversation. And C.S. Lewis was a grown-up, an adult, like many of you, and went from atheist to agnostic, and God led him. And then they had a walk one night, and they were arguing, debating, get this, about myths. Myths, as in like stories. And Tolkien was saying there's really truth in myths, and Lewis saying there's no truth in myths, there's fantasy. And Tolkien led Lewis to conversion by saying, no, all the great stories point to the greatest story. That God created us, that we're fallen, that we needed a redeemer, that he was sent in Jesus Christ. And Lewis began thinking about this, this idea that all All the great stories we love point to the greatest story. I call it creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And God began to move him to saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. It's real. And John is saying here, Jesus is real. Something else he tells us, good news of great joy is that we can have a personal relationship with God. Now that kind of sounds churchy or cliche. Here's what it means. No one, no one ever has to be alone at Christmas or any time. No one ever has to be alone. Right, where does he say that? Verse 3. He says, we say this so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John is saying that the same fellowship that he had as a disciple and the disciples had, We can have two with Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. He's also saying we can have fellowship with one another. That's really what communion means. As we enter to take communion together, that we can have a relationship with others and we can have a personal relationship with the creator of all the universe. And our creator is also our savior. A personal relationship. He knows you by name. This, again, different from every other religion. Other religions in the East, talking about India, Hinduism, they say you can't have a personal relationship with the Creator. And then other faiths like Islam and Judaism say that the God is a person, but He's so far distant and removed, you can't have this relationship. Christianity says God did everything He could to get really Really close. Baby close. Manger close. Touch him close. See him close. Laugh with him close. He did everything possible so we could see him. Those of you who know your Bibles, uh, you know the story about Moses 
going up into Mount Sinai, and he could not see God, and they put a veil over him because it would, it would kill him, the radiance of God. And here with Jesus, you have that turned upside down. The great Christmas carol, my favorite, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, says, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, incarnate deity. We can see God. He has come close. And He wants to know you. We can have this personal relationship. And then last, and I actually think this is most important. The greatest joy, good news of great joy, is ordinary. Ordinary. Verse 4, he says, We're writing these things that our joy may be complete. We want extraordinary. We want boom. We want big. We want, you know, explosions. We want to be moved. We want extraordinary. And yet God works in the ordinary. Being born as a human being. Manger. Poor. He became a, a refugee. Shepherds. Poor. Very ordinary. And I think that the reason a lot of us, a lot of us here, don't experience the greatest joy is because to get there, it's so ordinary. What do you mean? Prayer. Well, actually, before prayer, asking Jesus into your heart. A simple ask. An ordinary ask. Not earth-shattering, ground-shaking, although it's the most extraordinary miracle, I believe, on earth. An ordinary ask. Prayer. Reading the Bible. Serving brothers and sisters in Christ. Loving neighbors who may not be brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't experience the joy because it's just kind of ordinary. And sometimes it's even boring. I mean, not every church service is like Christmas Eve. Amen? Amen? And y'all may be like Christmas Eve, ain't like every church. I don't know what you think. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. But yet God works in the ordinary. Now, joy in the Bible is happiness. Because I always mean to be happy. Yeah, but it's a lot more than happiness. The Bible talks about, if you go through the Bible, a, a river of life. It actually says the heavenly city. There's a river running through it in Revelation. Psalm 1. It says that person who is close to God. It's like a river. He's rooted by a river. And I think about, that's the real joy. Is when you have roots that grow down deep. And there is this, there's this river, there's this water, like baptism, that nourishes you, that sustains you, that fulfills you. I was thinking about this as my parents are here tonight, and we have this, uh, we have a family farm up near New Albany. And many times, good times there, hunting now, but as a kid, there is this pond in the farm. And it's a natural pond, one of the only ones, that it's spring-fed. I remember Dad taking us around and showing us the springs bubbling up that went into the pond. and We'd always jump in summer day and just be cool and refreshing. And to me, that's like joy, that the roots go down. There's a spring. Jesus said this in John 4, the woman at the well. There's a spring of water that regardless, happy or sad, the riches of God are found in those roots, that, that spring of life, that water. That's joy. And again, it can be very, very ordinary, but it's there. 
Two quick stories. I want to pick up C.S. Lewis again. He did not come to Christ that night. Actually, it was a couple weeks later. And his testimony is, he went riding, get this, he was, went riding on a motorcycle with his brother. And this was in the 1930s, so his brother, you know, was riding the motorcycle. Joe Bird, you, I mean, you know, motorcycle. But they had this old-fashioned, like, you know, I don't know what they're called. What is it called? A little cart? Sidecar? Sidecar, I know. Yeah, kind of easy there. I didn't know. And Lewis was in the sidecar. And he said, he said, all I know is, before I got on the sidecar, I did not believe in Jesus Christ. (laughs) And when I got off the sidecar, I believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I say that, it's just, it's a simple ask. It's a simple ask. And that began an extraordinary life of the riches of God. One other story. She didn't know if I was going to do this. It may get me in trouble. My wife, Linda. And I saw God nurture her. But then in a moment, and it was at a, a very poor rescue mission in Boston in the winter. So it's cold, February. And a lady had been talking to her, and she went into her office and Unfortunately, I wasn't there, and she came out, and she said, now I'm a Christian. I asked God into my life. I took a step. And she got rebuke from her mom, I mean, saying stuff like, it's crazy that, you know, you can just be a Christian like that. It's all about works, she would say, and God love her, but right now she is a Buddhist, and we pray for her. But yes, and it can be five minutes before You meet God. It's grace. And it begins with an ordinary ask. And then in a life of very ordinary things like prayer, like Bible reading, like loving your neighbor, like serving others, those roots grow deep to that spring of of God's riches and eternal life. Good news of great joy. Good news of that phrase has just been with me all week. Good news of great joy. Or some translations, glad tidings. Good news of great joy continues to make people glad. It is the Christmas story, but it's so much more than manger and shepherds. It is the cross. That the only way we have a personal relationship with God is what Jesus has done for us. It is the Holy Spirit and Him being with us now. It is us knowing that loved ones in Christ we will see again. It is a community of believers taking communion together that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Where we see the only way that we're saved. His body and His blood given for us. We will see an example of light in darkness. And we know that light has come into the world and there is hope and there is life. It is eternal and it is Jesus. And all you have to do is just ask and say, Jesus, I want this. I want you. And that begins an extraordinary life. So I'm going to close in prayer. But I do invite you, as we open at the beginning with the Advent candle and kneel, I pray the Holy Spirit would open your eyes and that your hearts would be open. And the light of Christ. And no other light. And there are shiny bright lights in our world. The light of Christ would flood it. And you would. Keep saying this again. Ask. To receive Christ as Lord. He will change your life. The most extraordinary things are in the ordinary. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word, for what it means, that it is the greatest news of the greatest joy. And I pray that we would have it, that Christians would know it, and that non-Christians would receive it. In your holy and precious name, Jesus, amen.